the American Shoreline Podcast Network's coverage of the 2019 ASBPA National Conference in Myrtle Beach is brought to you by CDM Smith, collaborating with national agencies and local partners for sustainable coastal environments and resilient coastal communities. Thank you to CDM Smith for your support. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the American Shoreline Podcast. This is Peter Ravel. I'm the co-host of this show. And this is Tyler Buckingham, the other co-host. We are back at the American Shore and Beach Preservation Association meeting in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And today is Services and Vendor Day. One of the great parts about all these conferences is all of the folks who are professionally engaged and involved in the exercise of the subject matter of this conversations that we have and the conference come to the event set up the booth talk to their vendors and buyers and services and we have with us today and kicking off our vendor coverage is bill precht who is the director of coastal and marine services for dial cordy and associates one of the great environmental consulting firms uh, that's available on the american shoreline i think welcome to the show bill Thank you very much for having me. Bill, uh, so, you know, Peter, what we're hoping to do with this little show is uh, give our listeners a little bit of the flavor of some of these um, exhibitors that come to ASBPA. There's a beautiful uh, uh, exhibition hall this year, and uh, they're kind of ringed around, and and we went and invited uh, several of them on the show. Bill, you're leading off, uh, and the purpose here is for you to just tell us about the company. So I'm just going to turn it over to you. Tell us about Dial Cordian Associates and what you all are doing. Great, thanks. Well, Dial Cordian Associates, we consider ourselves to be a, a niche market or a boutique environmental services firm, and specifically, we handle a lot of ecological projects that are in the coastal and marine realm. And that includes everything from doing what they call NEPA evaluations, which is National Environmental Mm -hmm. Policy Act, EIS-type work, Mm -hmm. to environmental monitoring of projects that are ongoing. And as well, we do a lot of long-term monitoring of projects once they are completed. And another aspect that we do is what they call natural resource damage assessments. Mm -hmm. So where there have been projects that have damaged an environment, we'll go in and we'll do an Uh, an investigation or an assessment of the injury to the resource and hopefully come up with a restoration cure plan uh, for that environment. And I head up the coastal section, coastal and marine section for the company, and we specifically concentrate on a lot of shoreline projects, a lot of port and marina expansion projects to make sure that they're done in an environmentally sound and safe and sustainable manner and a lot of the work that we've done over the years and the reason why we come to ASBPA is we have done a lot of monitoring associated with beach nourishment projects Mm -hmm. and specifically because we're not an engineering firm you'll have other firms that'll do the design engineering or the geology for a beach restoration program many of those are federally or county-sponsored type projects, Army Corps of Engineers, uh, BOEM, or specific counties that that need uh, beach restoration work done. And we oftentimes do the monitoring of the environmental impacts or potential environmental impacts from those projects. 
which will include everything from sea turtle monitoring, sea turtle nest monitoring. Everyone loves the sea turtles, that's right. for sure. Uh, certain wading birds that are protected, such as the piping plover. So we do those types of things. And we also do a lot of work with hard bottom resources, with mm -hmm. coral reefs and seagrasses and, and that are near shore in the environment that could be affected by these projects. So we have a team of scientific divers in our program, in our company, and we have three main offices on the East Coast, one in Wilmington, North Carolina, one in Jacksonville Beach, Florida, which was our original uh, opening, and I believe that office has been there since for 23 years. Wow. And uh, I'm down in the Miami office, and the Miami office really specializes in corals, seagrass, mangrove-type ecosystems and impacts. And we don't just work in the U.S., but we also work throughout the Caribbean. And uh, very recently, we've opened up a Pacific operation, hmm. doing the same stuff that we do on the East Coast, but now we're doing it in Hawaii and Guam. And we have a bunch of clients there that we're starting to move into that. And uh, one of our employees that used to be based in Florida is now based approximately half time over in uh, in the Pacific. Doesn't sound like a bad gig, you know. Exactly. <laughs> Caribbean, Guam, Hawaii, all pretty nice places. Uh, so that kind of leads into my, uh, my next question, which had to do with uh, the company history. And you kind of, you know, there's some expansion that's happened there, but, but what's, what's the story of the origin of the company? Uh, Steve Dial and a few of his colleagues worked for another environmental consulting firm and they had opened up a Jacksonville Beach office for that firm and they were fairly successful and then realized why should we do this for someone else when we can do it for ourselves so I think 23 years ago the founders of the firm which included Steve Dial um, basically saw a vision to start their own small business and basically piggybacked on the clients that they had developed over the years, mostly in Florida, mostly doing coastal type projects. Not all, but, but most of which was uh, coastal in, in nature. And um, slowly started to grow the firm. And then about, I think I would say 10 or so years ago, Steve Dial moved from the Jacksonville Beach office and opened up a Wilmington office and one of the partners stayed and ran the office in Jacksonville so at the time we had two offices and then as things started to really heat up with projects down in Florida in South Florida such as the Port of Miami Port Everglades and a lot of the projects we had down there um, it was sort of a no-brainer to open up an office down there and we had a colleague who opened up that office, I want to say about eight, nine years ago, and uh, maybe more. And I've been with the firm now for seven years, seven and a half years, based in the Miami office and working on really cool projects. Well, I think that that would be a, an interesting area to, to move to is... Uh, some of the, you know, some work that you think is really trendsetting and that, that uh, exemplifies uh, some of your best work. Well, one of the things that I try to exemplify with 
the work that we do as well as with the staff that we have that work for us. Um, just about everybody that works in our firm have master's degrees or higher in marine or biological or ecological sciences. So we're, like I said, a boutique or a niche firm that really has some top level people that are very specifically trained for the work they do. And we also, as I previously mentioned, we have a scientific dive team. And that scientific dive team in the last 15 years has done over 20,000 scientific work-related jobs. On Port of Miami alone, we did over 10,000 mm -hmm. dives in two years. What Bill, how many employees in Dow Courting Associates these days? Full-time, we have between 15 and 20, okay. which includes administrative staff. Right. And depending on the project, we will hire a fair number of contract employees as well. Mm -hmm. But those contract employees know that there's a lifetime to a project. And mm -hmm. so we, we basically will gear up for a specific project. Yeah. And then as that project winds down, but we have a, a core staff of between 15 and 20. It's a great little company. So for all those marine biology and marine science students out there, you're wondering, what am I going to do in my career? You know, work for Dow Cordian Associates or the firms that do this kind of work. It's technical. It's uh, in the field. Uh, a lot of permit compliance. You got to know your way around the regulatory universe. Um, you mentioned the Port of Miami work and the deepening of the Miami ship channel recently, and I guess it was in the last five years, has been a topic of some discussion around the country, and yeah. especially the biological impacts. And I understand Dial Cordy was the experts hired by the Corps of Engineers to assess the impacts of that uh, deepening project on the adjacent reef do you want to talk about that work either i know this is a client thing so you don't i know you can't talk about everything but no, but I, in terms of the work I, I can talk about it okay. now because the project is completed okay and all of our bill hold that hold that all right, of yeah. our data is in the public domain now okay and i was the technical supervisor of that project okay so i wasn't the project manager i wasn't the data manager i wasn't the field manager but i was involved in the day-to-day -day operations I personally did over 400 dives wow. on that project in, awesome. the, in the course of the, from the startup until the end. Um, and as you had said that there were, there's a lot of discussion about the biological impacts of that project. Yeah. And part of it is because there were real impacts and we were monitoring those real impacts. And what we were trying to figure out was using adaptive management p procedures, how could we minimize impacts to the resources as they were ongoing? Mm -hmm. So we were working with the dredging contractor, with the numerous consultants, with the Army Corps, with the regulatory agencies, and we were out a compliance week for that project, went from Wednesday to Wednesday, and in the course of a week, we might do, you know, we would work seven days. We had two boats on the water with five divers on the boat doing four dives a day. So wow. We were, we were seeing what was happening in real time, mm -hmm. and we had to provide the regulatory agencies with a weekly report. Right. So let's, let's fill our audience in a little bit about what this is all about, because it really has to do with the turbidity. Uh, possibly, I think, a turbidity was an issue, direct impact of the expansion of the channel. Right. 
and 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 really it's a coral health was the principal resource at issue right that's exactly right yeah. and the the dredge channel for port of miami had been there since 1908 right and it had periodically over the years been deepened and deepened and deepened and in 1995 to 2000 or so they dredged it to a depth of about 42 feet but then when they expanded the panama canal yeah and they have what they call post panamax class vessels right the draft 55 so we actually the core designed the Miami ship channel to 50, negative 52 feet. 52 with right. a little overdredge. Exactly. And, you know, this is, and, and I think uh, Steve sent me in, uh, the results of your report because we had run a story on Coastal News today that sort of questioned the impact of the course operation. Dow Cordy's assessment, and this is, and I think it, it, it speaks to the quality of the work, the trust that's involved in, in the work that you guys have to do. Uh, to provide your professional opinion, but the assessment that you guys completed uh, said basically that the coral die-off is a regional problem and really not affiliated specifically. Obviously, there were direct impacts. There was some percentage that you guys came up with, but uh, was a broader environmental die-off of coral that's really happened around the world. Is that, was that a fair well, take? This is, this is exactly what happened. So <clears throat> we started our monitoring in the fall of 2013. The dredging project started right around Christmas of 2013. Mm. And in 2014, in late 2014, there was, excuse me, <clears throat> there was a region-wide coral bleaching event related to increased sea surface temperatures. This didn't just happen in Florida. No. It happened around the world. Did indeed. And it really affected the reefs of the Great Barrier Reef in Australia did. more than any other area. But the reefs in Florida were impacted. Mm -hmm. And based on our data from our tagged corals at the Port of Miami site, about 90% of the corals in the fall of 2014 bleached. They lost their color right. due to the loss of their zooxanthellae algae that mm -hmm. is an endosymbiont that lives within the tissue. Love it, right? Come That's on, you biologists. The endosymbiotic algae <laughs> makes the whole animal live. Exactly. Yeah. And... So there was this major bleaching event, and it occurred the length and width of the Florida Reef Track. Yeah. Wow. From Martin County all the way down to the Dry Tortugas. And subsequent to that bleaching event, when it started to get cooler in the fall, mm -hmm. in October and November of 2014, as the corals were regaining their color, we noted a disease at one of our control sites. And... It was a highly virulent pathogen hmm. that was killing corals of, of specific species. Hmm. So as the scientific lead on the project, who had done a lot of work in his career on coral disease, I noted it. I let all the regulatory agencies know about what was going on. Hmm. And over the next four years, that disease spread the length and width of the Florida reef track and killed... Certain species hmm. at a level of about eighty plus percent. Well, all of those. Corals. So, what court we talking staghorn or what was no, it? I forget. It were these uh, star large brain uh, oh, the brain, brain corals, brain corals. Okay. And the brain corals were especially affected. Okay. And so, in total population numbers, we're looking at a loss of about thirty five percent of the entire coral community throughout Florida. Yuck. 
It was horrible. Bad news. Yeah, it was bad news. And well, now it has... It's starting to come back a little no, bit. No, it's coming. It, oh. The disease is spreading throughout the Caribbean now. Ugh. And they found it, it recently in St. Martin, in the Virgin Islands, in Jamaica. And it's really running roughshod on uh, the, the Mexican reefs off of the Yucatan. Great. Well, folks out there listeners around the country so environmental services firms are critical in all of the projects on the american shoreline whether they're dredging progress or beach restoration construction you always have to have the right science guys you got to have the pros in the water you get they got to have the skill set dial cordy is one of the foremost firms in the southeast atlantic part of the united states say from north carolina down to florida so it's been a real pleasure bill to have bill precht on the uh, on the on the podcast and t- to tell us and introduce us uh, to the work of Dal Cordy and Associates. And Bill, thanks a lot for dropping in. I really appreciate you guys having me. Thank you. And we're back at ASBPA's national conference on the on the vendor segment, talking to the professionals who help service uh, uh, communities and offer products and services to coastal communities. Ted Harris is with us from Arite Structures. Ted. Welcome to the American Shoreline Podcast and our coverage at ASBPA. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, Ted, let's just get, dive right into it. Uh, tell us about Arite Structures. What do you guys do? So Arite Structures is a, a design and engineering firm that fabricates fiberglass reinforced polymer bridges and boardwalks. So our, we have an engineering side of the company. We have civil PEs on staff and they do an awful lot of civil engineering type work, um, site construction, design and engineering work that complements our fiberglass bridges and boardwalks. And these are very lightweight, bolt together products that um, are great for remote access. We can't get heavy equipment back to a site. So we do a lot, an awful lot of work for the National Park Service and the U.S. Forest Service and some municipalities that need um, bridges through their trails. So we, our bridges are designed for pedestrian, bicycle, uh, equestrian, and light vehicle type traffic. Wow. Not, not big vehicle bridges. They're just for basically trail bridges. So we're at the show this, this week um, to kind of showcase our products because fiberglass is a great material for tough, corrosive environments, and the coastal environment is probably the toughest. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you know, we there's so much... Uh, Need especially uh, here on the the east coast of the American shoreline and the Gulf Coast, where we have uh, these barrier island systems with these big dunes that uh, we know are so important to coastal resiliency. And one of the main ways that uh, communities can protect them is by constructing structures, bridges, walkovers, and boardwalks to uh, get those feet off of the dunes and onto. A structure so I definitely it's it's good to have you here at ASBPA it makes a lot of sense what's the history of the product how did how did how, did you guys invent it <laughs> no no so our company didn't invent it uh, the, the technology goes back to the 1980s uh, one of the founders of this type of product his name was Rick Johansson and he was sort of the father of bolt together lightweight fiberglass bridges other companies then came along in the decades to follow um, and our, our company is just kind of tagging on to that technology. We, we purchase pultruded fiberglass parts, and then we do all the fabrication and all the design work that goes into a bridge, and we custom engineer and design a bridge for our customer's application. But we also but we use the, the pultruded fiberglass parts that's, that most other companies are, are using in the industry today. 
So you would show up if a town were to say, you know what, we've got these five dune walkovers here. We'd like to replace them with fiberglass. We're tired of this wood stuff. We keep having to replace it. Uh, you would design that, bring it, and bolt it together and install it. Is that the, this is, so? You guys are from the design to the construction side of this. Yeah, we we do like to get into the full turnkey type of project, but a lot of the times we will um, sell a bridge or a product to an installer or a contractor, and they'll do the actual okay. site construction work, build the uh, the vents or the supports for the bridges or boardwalks. Okay. Um, and but we can our company because we have civil PEs on staff we can do the actual foundation abutment design work if necessary, um, but a lot of times that might be farmed out to somebody else, a right. contractor, someone local. So how big's the company? Where is it located? And yeah. Ted, what's your position with the firm? So um, I'm VP of Sales and Marketing. Okay. And uh, we are located in Boone, North Carolina, so mm. in the mountains of North Carolina. That's where a fabrication facility is, our office. I actually work out of Western Pennsylvania. Um, and so my territory is the world, and I do the sales and marketing for the company. That's awesome. So uh, let's talk about maybe some marquee projects that you think really exemplify, uh, you know, the company's expertise. Yeah, uh, we're a young company. So um, we started about four years ago um, in the bridge side and the boardwalks. Um, we, we've done a lot of work for the park service, and we've got some bridges out in, got a, a, a set of bridges in Oregon. Um, along some of their trails in Oregon. We did uh, six or seven bridges for them. That was a very big project for us. Um, we've got um, some projects up in Maryland and Virginia. We've done a lot of trail projects in West Virginia recently, um, just little I-beam crossover boardwalks, bridges. Um, and we're, not, we're not a big company. We're, we're still um, exploring markets and uh, looking for uh, the next the next big customer but this this show for us is it's the first time we've actually entered the the coastal market per se we are just uh, looking at uh, our the possibilities of trying to bring fiberglass into this type of environment it's needed yeah. uh you know in some of the projects that we've worked on in the past uh peers for example um uh fishing peers public peers and typically uh, Pressure-treated lumber decks, maybe it's plastic extruded treks and other, but it, the support structures you guys can actually design and build the piles that go into the water that are that are non-corrosive. Uh, tell us about that. They're yeah. lighter weight. This is actually a really good option for marine applications. Yeah, I so, think. So we have a great supplier. Uh, Strongwell Corporation is the largest poltrusion company in North America. Uh, Strongwell can protrude any shape, any size, hundreds and hundreds of dies that they can, and they do sheet piles and round shapes and square shapes and um, any shape you can imagine. So we use. Yeah, can we, I have we, it? Yeah, I think Peter and I have the same question. <laughs> Go ahead. We do have. Is the it same what question. is protrusion? What is protrusion? You got it. Yeah, I'd like to help us out. Great. So protrusion is a process where you bring in a liquid resin and glass into a heated die. The die is about four or five feet in length. So the raw material comes into the dye, the polymerization takes place within the dye, and a solid part begins to emerge from the dye. And the machines grab the part and pull it out of mm -hmm. the dye. So hence the word pultrusion. And as to compare that with aluminum extrusion, aluminum is pushed through a dye and extruded, and our parts are pultruded, hmm. pulled out of the dye. But you can, you can design and make any type of pultruded fiberglass part um, that steel or aluminum can make. So we can make any shape, any size. We just have to design the die and then make the parts. So Got it. 
It sounds like a great material for the coastal environment of being lightweight. Now, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about is oftentimes one of the advantages I would say to wood in a coastal environment is in the event of a big, you know, hurricane or storm. Uh, these structures are often destroyed. Uh, they're sacrificial lambs. Uh, and, you know, an advantage would be that uh, you have an organic material that is going to be strewn around the beach and that's not as bad. Um, so I would say, are these things capable of being, uh, you know, like brought in, let's say, uh, before a storm were coming? Uh, you know, what would be, how would you guys respond to that or advise a client? Well, there's two options. First of all, you can design the, the product to withstand say a cat three hurricane and we have the engineering to to do that we can design for wind loads um for sea surge we so that's one option is simply say look we're going to design a a product that's going to withstand this Um, but they're also bolt together so in the event that you truly wanted to take the the uh the boardwalk apart you could you could unbolt it and and remove it uh, and take it someplace and then reinstall it after the storm has passed so there's different options there right that's very interesting. Uh, yeah, I I, uh, I think that the it's almost like playing with an erector set or you know something like this yeah, kid. You know, right. you can. Yeah, well, now you've like dated it. yourself because yeah. I used to have an erector set. <laughs> I know what those are, and I actually love those. Uh-huh. Where I got my you know start in engineering with yeah. my first erector sets. Yeah, but that's exactly how I described it. It's like a big erector set, or if you're a millennial, it's a Lego set. You're right. So you're right. putting together a Lego set that you can then uh, you know take Assemble. apart if you have to. Yeah. Arite Structures, uh, it, and headquartered in Boone, North, Boone, North Carolina. North Carolina. Marine applications, structural pieces, custom made, custom built, full service firm, engineering through installation if you need it. Correct. Uh, Ted Harris with Arite, and Arite is Greek, you said, for excellence. excellence. I love that. Yes. Yeah. Arite Structures, thanks a lot for joining us on the American Trailline Podcast and telling us about your company. And for all those local government folks out there, this is a good phone call to make. So thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, actually, before we go, what's your website? Oh, uh, yeah. It's it's www.aretestructures.com. Very good. Well, look them up, folks. A-R-E-T-E. Structures. Structures. Structures.com. Find them. Call Tad. He'll help help you get what you need. Thank you. Thank you, Tad. So back in uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, at the American Shore and Beach Preservation Conference and enjoying what we're trying to do is introduce our audience to the many excellent vendors who come to the conference and offer services and products to the wide world of of the American shoreline. And we have with us three of the professionals at Dune Science Group. Welcome to the show. I'm going to let you guys introduce yourself. And, And so let us know who you are and someone tell us about the Dune Science Group. I'm Frank Hoff. I'm uh, sort of the scientist of the of the group. Uh, we specialize in uh, dune restoration, trying to uh, preserve the dunes, build them up by natural and semi-natural uh, methods, and uh, we've also have a product that helps us do that. Great. Welcome. Uh, thank you. I'm Don Ferrar. Uh, I'm in charge of our product area, which is we, we've developed what is a unique and, and premium dune walkover product that uses 100% fiberglass. Hmm. So dune crossovers uh, would be a product that you would produce and, and install at we, the company? We design, manufacture, install. Wonderful. 
I'm Ed Hintley, and I'm general counsel to the Dune Science Group. I'm also uh, a member of the group, and um, I'm looking forward and I'm excited about uh, this new venture that we're uh, starting forth with. Well, it is a very important thing, what you guys work on, and that is to get the public. We all want to go to the beach. Uh, we all like dunes. Dunes are part of the resiliency plan. We the whole conference, everybody's talking about why you have to have good, wide, healthy dune systems that reduces storm risk to benefit the public. But everybody wants to go to the beach. So how do you do that? You've got to have quality walkovers that are durable, well-designed. What makes the Dune Science Group's services and products special? What makes you guys good at what you do? Well, I think the difference is we got a very much, I have a personal commitment that I carry into the group uh, for proper restoration again by natural methods and by nature-based methods uh, to build healthy dunes that provide not only a uh, nice uh, environment uh, very critical habitat that's very special also uh, protection for the community behind it right from storm surge and uh, I live near one and they're just absolutely beautiful environments of, of their own and a very nice peaceful place to be so we try to we're, we're committed to building them in that that form and that purpose. And so you're involved in both the structure and and also your. I think do you do you plant dunes? Do you do you do dune plant installation, native dune plants? Tell us about that. Well, yeah, we, we look forward that we have uh, we're in the early stages of this. Okay. Uh, we were hoping that uh, I initially started this kind of project, hoping that the communities would be able to do that. But I realize the, the, the local politics sometimes gets in the way of being able to do anything uh, as quickly and as efficiently as we right. might be able to do. So hope to mobilize uh, communities as well as subgroups within communities uh, to help them restore the, the dune in front of their, their beachfront property or the, in their, their particular city. Okay. Please. Um, I, I, I am... Uh proud to be associated with these gentlemen and there's another part member that we have that's not here today his name is Steve Fuss and he's going to be helping us implement and design and, and install these walkovers that we're talking about but what I really like is that there's a good mix of talent here um, we have Frank who was a former professor at Texas A&M and he has a gig of Maggie's and, 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 and has a degree in <laughs> me too. <laughs> all right. uh, I'm an A&M graduate, so uh, gig him and all of that good stuff. Yes. I, I don't know if you had uh, took his course in geomorphology. Uh, I was in the marine biology program. Uh, I don't yeah. think I got to geomorphology. I should have. I, uh, <laughs> and, and Don here has uh, been working uh, in, and he owns a, a company called Lynx Bridges and they install a, uh, walkovers uh, in golf courses all over America and in Canada and oh. uh, he's very accomplished he's they've been successful in that business so uh, he brings a lot of talent and insight into this business um, and uh, me I'm the general counsel and uh, yeah help them with sundry legal matters whether it be entity formation or uh, uh, looking to you know enter into a contract whether it be license easement uh, contract to buy whatever it's going to be right uh, i'm going to be helping and assisting in so that you got the lawyer the scientist the designer right. the guy with the experience exactly. to get it out in the field that's a pretty good combination yeah. at the top of the company where are you guys out of where's the company located we're based in, in stewart florida okay right along the east coast right um and i just want to expand on something ed said because really 
what we have to do is educate the market that we're really bringing something different to the market. Dr. Hoff is, is obviously bringing in a wealth of expertise right. in dune creation, but we have a product that is different than anything else that's out there. Tell our audience about it. What is it? Well, we make our walkovers out of 100% fiberglass. And, you know, there's other vendors out there that have a fiberglass product, mm -hmm. but none of them have a hundred percent fiber yeah. they rely a lot on on you know we we get away from we don't use any wood we don't use any metal because we know those don't last on a, on a beach environment no tracks kind of planking and that kind of no. recycled plastic kind of stuff no we actually have a very unique technology that we're using it's hmm. open molding fiberglass and that that does a few things for us it, okay it allows us to do natural looking finishes so so our decks are going to look like wood we do bridges all over north america and if and if you don't tell people they're not wood they actually Beautiful. think they are wood that's great um but they're 100 percent fiberglass um we're going to be our designs are based on having longer spans than traditional dune walkovers hmm. so less piles into the into the dunes you know that that's helpful and having permitted a bunch of these things uh the uh, regulators get a little sensitive. How, what is the footing? How, how many? Are they concreted? All of the, you know, yeah. the, the footprint of these structures matters in the integrity of the dune. It sure does. Longer spans, fewer piles. That sounds fewer good. Fewer piles. Even our piles are 100% fiberglass. Wow. That's great. Um, so, I mean, there's nothing that we're using here that isn't fiberglass. So the handrails and the attachment of the handrails, no hardware, no metal hardware? There will be some stainless steel bolts there, but nothing, yeah. not, none of our structural, uh, right. uh, we're not relying on metal for anything structural, just for attachments. Yeah, that's great. And, and I, I need to point out that we kind of, I came across Don and his company, uh, I'm out of Fernandina Beach, and I started my work there in Fernandina Beach. And uh, in the city, we have like 27 walkovers, and we're talking about restoring the dunes, but we have no way to get people to the beach right. without them trampling the dunes. Yeah. And so uh, the 27 walkovers have not been, they're all wood. They were all built in the 1990s. They have not been maintained. This year we had to pull six of them out because they were considered structurally defective. Yeah. They haven't been replaced because they're very expensive to replace. They are. And and so, uh, and and they, no one, it just, it just uh, we needed a better product yeah. to, that would live longer and be able to maintain on city budgets. You well, know? you're in the right location, Florida, of course, hundreds of miles of beaches, uh, lots and lots of demand for recreational access. Walkovers are a key. Uh, local governments all around the American shoreline have figured out that dunes are a good thing now, and you can actually install them and maintain them, and you do get a, a risk reduction benefit from that. That's that's happened in the last ten years, and now we got to get people across the top into the beach without, you know, splinters in your toes, right? Is that the thing you don't get? No splinters. Well, that plus, you know, the, the old designs too are not friendly to the the modern beachgoer. Hmm. Modern beachgoer has this tr little wagon train. Oh yeah, haul. yeah. And if they're not hanging, hauling a wagon train, they're hauling their cooler right? Right. on wheels. And those stairs aren't very effective. No, up and down. So you got to go ramp. The other thing we've done is gone ramp. They're not, you know, you can do them ADH, uh, ADA, mm -hmm. or you know, you can do them slightly less for uh, where you can't uh, uh, have parking available for mm -hmm. uh, uh, the disabled anyhow. 
Right. So uh, yeah, know. ADA access got to be. Is, gotta be. You know, a lot of these federal grant programs that will underwrite access improvements require ADA compliance, right. and you've got to have a product that can do the right slope stability and all that good right. stuff for ADA. Um, what else should we know about about the company? Well, I, I, I just want to finish some other points on the product. Yeah, please, do. please do. Please um, do. We, uh, uh, you know, Public safety is obviously a big concern, so our, our decks are all slip-resistant deck surfaces. You know, we've developed manufacturing techniques that, that allow us to achieve that, more so than really any other product that's mm. out there, maybe other than concrete. Um, and um, I really want to stress the natural looking because, you know, I mean, beaches are, are places of beauty, and, and you know, we, we really... Our work is focused on getting something there that blends in with with yeah. the beach and yeah. and you know we don't want industrial looking Mm-mm. walkovers over the uh, the the dune areas. One hundred percent. The visual landscape of the coast is a matter of some importance in Florida, particularly. And if it doesn't look right, and the sand's not the right color, and the plants aren't, this is a hot. I will just say there is no other state that has a as much emphasis on landscape than florida (laughs) so the appearance of the walkover does matter in this state i I think every uh home and every oh my gosh i've been in has a picture of the dune walkover yeah some covered with sand some Mm -hmm. heavily rotor but but they're all wood yeah they are a lot of wood they got to look like wood to be fit in with the environment great to me to me i just like to comment that um the, the, the traditional wood, if you look at them, and it, it's a mindset of the general public that walkovers should be of wood. That's what you expect to see when mm-hmm. you go to a beach. Um, and it's, it's educating the, the public as well as the governmental officials that it's, it's, a, it's an investment in the future. Even though it may be more expensive to build these, uh, it's an investment in the future that you won't have the maintenance and cost to keep those walkovers in good repair. Uh, over a long period of time. These things can last 60 to 70 years, yep. according to what Don tells me, long after we're gone. Um. <laughs> well, that's a long duration. Uh, Don, in the design and in in why this product is special, can you, I know, are there any other uh, attributes that you think well, are Ed, worth mentioning? Ed is really touching on, on the key one here. Okay. Um, you know, fiberglass is one of the strongest and most durable building materials in the world. It's one of the few materials that's not going to be affected. It's resilient to to UV, mm-hmm. to salt air, to yeah. salt water. Yeah. Um, you know. You wonder why they aren't already fiberglass. It just makes damn sense, doesn't it? In this environment, you would think this is the right material for the for the beach you environment. Know, I, you know, pressure treated wood has been used for years. It's relatively inexpensive, and you know, I I think that the wood. You know, as Ed has said, it's 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 what people expect. It's yeah. it's a tradition. You know, the other factor that really comes into this right now, when I talk to lumber experts, they tell me the wood that we that that you can use right now isn't to the same standard as it was twenty years ago. Right. You know, they they're they're harvesting from fast yeah. growth plantations. Yeah. Uh, it's the, pine typically. The, typically, it's southern yellow pine mm-hmm. that's used here. Uh, not tightly grained, not high. It warps. It changes shape. And we, on the projects that we've worked on, you know, you get the the handrails sure. just gets a little distorted because the it absorbs water and it all of that that happens. 
I mean, right. There's actually jurisdictions out there too now. I mean, pressure treated wood traditionally is done with creosote and right. arsenic. And, yeah. you know, increasingly we're finding jurisdictions that are just saying we don't want that on our beach. Right. So, you know, fiberglass is 100% inert material, so mm -hmm. there's, there's no leaching of toxins. and So it's really an environmentally friendly solution. And I, I got a guess here. It's going to cost a little bit more. You could, you could do a pressure-treated pine, or you could... And, which requires a lot of maintenance and planks being replaced and handrails every probably every year. You're doing bits and pieces and stuff, wares and splinters and all that sort of stuff. Uh, it's the durability of this. It's the lower operation and maintenance cost. Does it pencil out? I mean, obviously, you've done the mathematics on this. Is yeah. it financially in the interest of the cities to do this stuff? Well, interestingly, uh, looking at, at the one city uh, in, in Florida, uh, their maintenance cost for for taking care of the walkovers they have runs to about $16 to $18 a foot per year. Ooh. And they're barely keeping up. Ooh, that's pretty high. So, you know, when they're going out for bids on some new walkovers and uh, they're going to ask for not only the bid price, mm -hmm. but a 20-year maintenance cost. Well, yeah. So That's great. Yeah, Looking that, at the life cycle cost right. of the installation. Yeah. A little bit more. So hopefully we'll, you know, uh, with that kind of uh, analysis... We can we can become uh, competitive with the with the fiberglass product. Fantastic. Without that, you, you know, you, you can't bid. You know, heads up on current costs. But. Thank, thank you, Dr. Hoffman. Closing thoughts, Don. Ed, any uh, closing thoughts you'd like to share with uh, our audience? Uh, as I said in the beginning, I'm so excited about this group, and I, I think it, we're going to be doing good ecological things, and uh, we're going to be doing something that's uh, positive and makes uh, the beach even more uh, accessible and friendly to. The people that want to use it so i think it's a wonderful Great. project ladies and gentlemen the top management team from dune science group how do our folks find out more about your company what's your website how do they reach you dunesciencegroup.com and take out your pencil one eight six six 45 dunes oh that's great One eight six six forty five dunes the dune science group dunesciencegroup.com look them up these are the guys and uh, thank you very much for sharing your company's uh, products with us on the american shoreline podcast thank you thank, thank you, you. In Myrtle Beach, we're back at the American Shore and Beach Preservation Association conference and continuing our discussions with vendors and service providers who work along the American shoreline. Pleased to welcome to the American Shoreline podcast, Greg Bell with Guardian Retention Systems. Greg, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me here, Peter. Well, uh, Greg, tell us about uh, Guardian Retention Systems. What do you guys do? Okay. Well, Guardian Retention Systems is based out of Brooks, Kentucky, which is just south of Louisville, Kentucky. Um, I actually live in Merle's Inlet here in South Carolina. I'm the sales and marketing director. Um, I've moved here from Carolina Beach in May. And uh, so I was a resident and uh, two blocks in from the ocean. And uh, uh, last year I had the unfortunate experience of uh, uh, Hurricane Florence. Uh, yeah. So from a personal standpoint, um, I've experienced um, having to evacuate. Uh, I evacuated last year on September 11th and um, was two blocks away from a, um, a public access point, which also has uh, a, a flat area where, where it's a, a emergency vehicle access point. And um, 
in the I started with the company in uh, April and what really drew me to the company was the product the variety of applications that can be used for so why we're here at the ASBPA is that we have some coastal applications uh, one of them is uh, we can actually reconstruct a dune with our permashield product that can be filled with local sand at the core of a dune. So you'll see that when there's storm surge that happens with a hurricane, even a, a, a normal dune can uh, basically uh, be breached uh, by storm surge. Yep. Um, so our product um, actually was installed in Tybee Island after um, Hurricane Irma. Hurricane Irma happened in 2017, and, and Tybee Island unfortunately experienced storm surge that caused some major flooding. Uh, to make a long story short, uh, we came in, laid a six-foot high uh, uh, permashield uh, flood barrier down, 150 feet long. We pushed sand up over top of it. Looks like any other dune. Yeah. The big difference is that now you've got a flood barrier at the core of that dune. So let's say there's another storm that comes in um, and you've got the erosion that will happen from the waves crashing against the face of the dune. But once it gets to our barrier underneath the dune, it should mitigate that. And again, it buys you time as well. And uh, a hurricane uh, circulates counterclockwise. So mm -hmm. the storm surge predominantly happens in the northern quadrant. Correct. And uh, so as the storm is moving, you're really just needing to have flood mitigation to mitigate the storm surge during that northern quadrant. Um, so yeah. the whole idea is you've got a reinforced dune now that buys you time. Hmm. So that's one application. Can you describe for our listeners, you know, what the product looks like, how big it is? I mean, it's, you know, I've, sure. we have the benefit in the uh, exhibit hall. I believe you have a kind of a mock-up uh, yeah. there. but. For our listeners that don't have the benefit of seeing that, describe it for them. Well, the interesting uh, aspect, it's a patented product. Um, it's shaped like a trapezoid. So at the very top, you have, uh, regardless of the height, it's sold in heights two foot, three foot, four foot, and six foot high. Um, regardless of the height of the barrier that's selected, the opening on top is two feet by two feet, where we fill it with sand. Uh, other earthen materials or aggregate or even concrete for other applications the base let's just say for example if you had a two foot high mm -hmm. uh shield flood barrier mm -hmm. the base is four feet deep if it's a it's if it's a one-to-one -one slope yeah if it's six feet high you've got mm -hmm. an eight foot base to it okay so it has an extremely wide base that that adds to the integrity of it <laughs> um all right let me <laughs> Okay, title. Let's see. geometry. That's right. Trapezoid. Trapezoidal. Trapezoid. Two parallel sides, the top and the bottom, That's and a, the yeah. adjoining sides are they not necessarily of equal angle, right? In a trapezoid, I'm they are actually <laughs> they are equal. They are equal, equal angled. Angle. So it's a, it's yes. it's a it's like a truncated triangle. It's just a, yes, the top's okay, cut so, off. So your you your product is a shape of a particular <laughs> size and width and height that is open at the top mm -hmm. that can then be filled in a certain way and it gives it what is it made out of is it is it plastic what is it made out of is it's it... a eight ounce geotextile uh made from polypropylene okay so it's it, it, 
So a lot of our listeners are probably familiar, certainly on the Texas coast, from a geotextile tubes. This mm-hmm. is a this is a different shape of fabric. Mm-hmm. It's not a rigid structure. Then I mean, it turns out to be pretty rigid when it's filled, but right, it's not rigid when it's not filled. Right, and the nice part about that is it can shape to let's say the topography of right. what we're installing it on as well. Got it. So you roll this thing out. It comes in a roll. You roll it out. You put now I, in Tybee. I think I was there. This was important, actually, and I think one of the applications for local governments around the shoreline, particularly barrier island communities, Texas all the way up, is uh, uh, access for emergency vehicles is always a little bit difficult because typically vehicle access ways are on grade they're at the same level and what you're talking about here is this is what creates the storm surge channel and what you really want to be able to do is have the vehicles come up and over the dune and the natural dune just doesn't have the the strength and the fortitude the fortitude to do that and and this comes up a lot it comes up in pedestrian pathways but it particularly comes up in vehicle access and what you're saying is put this at the core of the dune plant it put it over with sand but what you can drive a police car over it or an ambulance and it'll be fine is that kind of the pitch yeah the the if you go to any beach anymore now now we're talking selective retention people that are listening probably will now drive along the beach and they'll look and they'll say oh there's a vehicle access point look at how flat that is right you can have the best dune structure in the world but if your vehicle access points are flat, yeah, that is a breach in the dune system. So that's where your storm surge is going to come come from. Right, and it'll erode the dune, undermine the integrity. This happens yes. a lot. Yes, uh, it's it's not uncommon. South Padre Island used to have a bunch of this. They've worked very hard on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, local governments do, and it really is the ability to create elevation in the dune system. Is that I mean. Tell us about some of the best applications you guys have been able to do so far, or have you been able to deploy it yet? Well, Tybee Island is, uh, we we deployed that at their 19th Street access point. Uh, We're actually going to be meeting with them next month. They're scheduled for uh, 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 nourishment in March of next year. Okay. Um, And it's best to do our installation tied with nourishment because now you're getting the sand is a lot cheaper bringing it in that way than having to truck it in from offsite like right. they did for the 19th street access. Right. So there's two more access points that they're looking at having uh, filled in as well. Um, the other, the other thing I would say is it's not just limited to, um, the vehicle access points. There's many beaches that don't have really a dune structure. Um, you know, I went to Polly's Island and on the South end of Polly's Island, they're yeah. lacking dunes. Now they're in the midst of a, uh, yeah. a nourishment They right need now. some help there. That's a scary yeah. little stretch of shoreline. Yes. I and don't know if anybody's look, we cover that a lot on, uh, this is Polly's Island, South Carolina, where the, the land mass that the structures sit on at the Southern end is a little thing. You got the beach on one side, the house, and then you've got backside water mm-hmm. in the wow. lot depth is about a hundred feet. It's something like that. It's incredibly narrow. It's very vulnerable right yes. now. Yeah. So you guys are working with Polly's Island right now. Well, I visited Polly's Island and I visited other beach communities here in South Carolina. And uh, of course, I've, I've talked to some communities in North Carolina. And again, I think the the one of the barriers that we have to overcome is the regulatory barrier. Yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, because it, a lot of beaches, a lot of states, uh, GLO in Texas, the General Land Office, or uh, the folks in North Carolina and South Carolina, 
there's generally uh, folks are not happy with the installation of structures and and you get into the regulatory so tell us kind of what is the regulatory treatment how is this understood in the agencies uh how does the permitting process go for you guys well that's where i'm down here to create awareness about our solution and um, i'm trying to visit with uh, people that are influencers in the industry um, who have the contacts with the regulatory bodies to try and let's say move the needle um, you could say that our product as a we don't generally refer to it as a sandbag because um, when you say sandbag people think of the little bags and and it kind of yeah your general uh, purpose sandbag yeah it undermines <laughs> what our product really is but yeah at the same time you could say that our product is a is a form of a sandbag it's just shaped like a trapezoid it comes in 50 foot long sections it could right. be cut to size right as well so it, you know when you think about um, if you're going to build a dune anyways, uh, and you just build it with straight sand, doesn't it make more sense to put something underneath there that yep. would mitigate it? And, you know, it's going to look like any other dune. Right. Um, and it provides an extra layer of protection for the people that live behind that dune. And I can tell you from yep. my standpoint, um, having been a resident in a community uh, where, you know, I lived two blocks away from an access point, um, you know, when I backed out of my driveway uh, on September 11th as we evac- evacuated for Hurricane Florence, I was, I know this business now. A lot of people went went yeah. back and didn't think about it. Yeah. You know, they were predicting 13 feet of storm surge they in were, Florence. They were, thank God, didn't my, happen, but it was still high, still right. flooded. Yeah, when I evacuated, it was uh, a high category four, and mm-hmm. my house was sitting two blocks in at 13 feet, four yeah, inches. It's not, so that was scary. I was, I thought when I backed out of my driveway that I was looking at my home right. for the last See you time. later, right? I thought and, so too. And spent eight days in Raleigh with uh, very, uh, very grateful with friends uh, that put us up there. But it, it was, it was uh, eye-opening. We actually sold our home and uh, moved out of Carolina Beach in May. Wow. And, uh, but we feel that we've got a solution to help not just Carolina Beach, um, Polly's Island. We, we feel that we've got something that's already been installed. And, you know, in the corporate world where I spent, you know, more than two decades, we talk about best practices. Yeah. And not every state has to reinvent the wheel themselves. Right. Uh, you can look at uh, working examples in other states like ours uh, and use that as a best practice to deploy in your state. Interesting. Well, thank you, Greg, for joining us on the American Shoreline Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Greg Bell, the sales and marketing manager for Guardian Retention Systems, a fortified dune core product, uh, has been installed in Tybee Island, uh, South Carolina, great town. Georgia. Georgia, sorry. Tybee Island, Georgia, just off of Savannah. I don't know if I said South Carolina. Where we will be next week uh, (laughs) for the uh, international, uh, excuse me, the Atlantic Intracoastal Waterway Association. We will. We can pop over. I'll add just one last thing is we can also, we did an installation in Savannah, Georgia of a concrete bulkhead down there as Hmm. well. And uh, that's another coastal application that we've actually installed too. Uh, Lowering costs, longer lifespan, no maintenance costs associated with it. Right. Um, well, Greg, how does pe- how do people get in touch with you, your company? How do they learn more about Guardian Retention Systems? How do they do it? Well, you can go to guardianretentionsystems.com to check out our products on the website. 
Um, if you would like to have a conversation, you can reach me directly at my cell number, which is 919-749-8872. And uh, um, you can also pull contact information off of our website and uh, be more than happy to talk to you about your needs and the problems you're having and see if we can have a solution for you. Great. Greg Bell, Guardian Retention Systems. Find him on the internet, www.guardianretentionsystems.com. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate you talking to us. Thank you. My pleasure. Back at the American Shore and Beach Preservation Association National Conference in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, we're talking to the vendors and product uh, service providers who work along the American Shoreline. Uh, we are really happy to have on the American Shoreline podcast, want to welcome Scott Jenkins, the sales manager for a company, Access Rec. Yes. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Scott, tell us about the company. Uh, well, we started Access Rec uh, six years ago and came up with the uh, rollout matting system called the Access Mat. It's a non-woven uh, rollout matting system. Comes in uh, three foot wide, five foot wide, six foot wide. Uh, blue brown up to uh, 100 foot in length great so for all of you shoreline managers out there and our good friend ruben trevino oh. in galveston and all the way down to south mm -hmm. padre island and all along the gulf shoreline what we're talking about scott is how do you get people from the parking lot to the beach this mm -hmm. product is an alternative to dune walkover it's tell us yes. about so it's a matting system which i think these things are really effective by the way yeah uh, to, why is this a great design? What is your, what's special about what you do? Well, it's non-permanent. So if there's storms that come in and where wood walkways at one time or concrete, it could be damaged by the storm. So it costs yeah. a lot to repair those. And the mats, um, two-year warranty on our mats and uh, life expectancy of well over five years. So it's easy to install and uninstall when needed. Right. Uh, some areas leave them down all year round. Um, up north, uh, where we are, um, they would come up for the season and be stored. Um, we also have the access decking, which is another alternative. It's hmm. a four by six. Um, comes in the blue and it comes in tan, and those um, those uh, connect together, and it can handle up to about eighty to a hundred thousand pounds. Wow! So, so yeah. if it needs to be driven on. Um, we do have them on some shorelines for uh, beach patrol to go up and over to dunes so that they're not uh, creating the dunes and wrecking them by the uh, vehicles. Right, right. Um, And that is an on-grade product, which means that this, this decking system would lay on the surface of the dune, so it doesn't have the piles and all of that. And mm -hmm. But you can drive a vehicle over it. Correct. You can come up and over. That's kind of a different way to do that. Yep. It's a real issue. Mm -hmm. You want to keep dune elevation in place. You don't want these storm surge channels created by either right. pathways or... So this stuff allows you to... Yes. to shape the access oh. for pedestrians or for vehicles correct right and it's mm. a six-year warranty on that and um you know decades of uh, of use um and then uh, we just have two new products that we just came up with that hmm. are downstairs and tell us about that one is called the wave bumper and the wave bumper yeah. that's an interesting name yeah wave bumper is great it's a uh uh, uh, uh a product that is helping to uh, keep water um, away from areas. Um, it's uh, three feet high by 3.3 feet wide. Um, and behind it is a, is a big bag that sand goes inside it. 
so the sand is going to be inside it and it's going to weigh about uh, 2,000 pounds. Um, it's all fiberglass and they can be put side by side. I saw it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's by the door. I it's think. by the door. Yeah. I, saw, I was yes. wondering what that was. So let yes. me, do, it's a, it's a little bit of a mini, I don't want to say, it, don't say do. it. It's a, bad it's word. a mini <laughs> seawall. It's a little, yes. it's got a recurved face. Yeah. It's, uh, yes. it's a wave deflector. Yes. Uh, it's installed in chunks pre, pre, pre-made of course yes. so you're you're just putting it down hooking them together yes huh and where has this been done i haven't uh, seen this france since. it started a couple years ago and uh the gentleman is downstairs and uh he created this it's patented um it's all science based mm-hmm. um he's very into the science so that's where the uh testings of this has been very successful and now we are looking at bringing it into the united states to help Army Corps of Engineers, to also help in between dunes where dunes have been uh, cut open so pedestrians can go through that. Right. So if storms are coming in, they can be laid out between the dunes and huh. help prevent that water. So a temporary uh, wave barrier could be installed and right. taken down. They're pretty, they look pretty lightweight. Yep. And the, the segments of these things, how not very wide, so you can pick them up. You can put them on a pickup truck or something Correct. to move them. They're pretty. They're not. This isn't 500 feet or 200 feet. These are right. about, what, less than five feet? Yes. Pieces. And, and, and they can be custom wide. made. Okay. And then they also, we also have another um, type of bumper that goes along, uh, covers windows and doors huh. for a lot of hurricanes. Wow. Uh, seals, seal proof. So sure. the water is not going to get in through the door. Um, windows are going to be protected from 200 plus mile an hour winds. Um, it's a really pretty cool, pretty cool now, product. I, I I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but do you you all also have a uh, like an accessibility uh, chair? Yes, yes. Tell uh, tell us about that chair. I, our, I one of our fav- my favorite things to do on Coastal News Today is to run stories mm-hmm. when a community gets these chairs and they. Oftentimes have people and just the smiles on people's faces that don't often get yeah. to, you know, might might have accessibility issues to get to the beach to be able to get into the water and yeah. and get over the sand. Tell us about that chair. Yeah, yeah. Some areas have a hard time getting the mats, so they they go with the chairs. And uh, our first chair was the water wheels, the floating beach wheelchair. And that's been uh, one of the most popular chairs uh, on the market. Uh, you can go into the ocean with it. You can go in the pools. Um, we work with Chris, Christopher Reeve Foundation, Sabrina Cohen Foundation out of Miami Beach. She has the first adapted beach days in the country. Started four years ago, and she runs that uh, the first Sunday and the third Sunday of every month from April to Thanksgiving. And she has 10 of our water wheels. So she transfers people out of their chair into the water wheels, brings them in the water for a length of time. It's a great event. And then uh, downstairs we have the Terra wheels, and that's brand new. That just came out in July, uh, two years uh, in the making. And the cool thing with our chairs is they have real rubber tires. Hmm. So where the... um, the PVC, the the wheelies, gray big wheelie tires, hard, hard tires. Well, those those aren't really hard. They're they're soft. Oh, and okay. They can be punctured very easily, so ah. you have to patch it. Uh, majority of the time, I see in areas that they'll have two or three or four of them not being used because of the tires. Hmm. So if they're not buying new ones uh, or patching those, then it's non usable. 
Okay. It's out um, of service. Yeah, out of service. And with ours, the real rubber tires are great because if there is an issue, you could take the tire off the chair, bring it to a local tire shop, wow. and they normally could be fixed. Not a specialized. And, you know, for folks who may not have seen this before, so if you're in a wheelchair and you're trying to get across, you know, 50 or 100 feet of sand down to the water, mm-hmm. These are specialized chairs, very large wheels that can be pushed over sand. Yes. And then you can push them all the way into the water. They're buoyant and you can swim effectively. I mean, this is really a cool yeah. product. And I've seen more and more uh, shoreline co- uh, cities and counties buy these and make them available to the public at walk, specified walkover accesses mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. access points along the city. It's yep. a very cool thing. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it's you know with our new water um, Terra wheels, um, this doesn't go in the water. This okay. the water wheels does, um, but it's all aluminum and stainless steel, so it's very durable. Uh, whereas some of the other chairs seem to break down and uh, yeah, PVC know, few, exactly. kind of piping thing. It's yes. just not very hefty. Yes, yes. So they, they they those tend to have some issues in a short period of time. And um, our chair has three reclines to it. It's got a nice foot rest to it and the seats uh, a little bit wider. Hmm. So it's more comfortable. It does have a harness strap and a seat belt so that uh, some individuals a little more uh, disability uh, could be right. more comfortable in the chair. Yeah. yeah, well, I think that's great. Now, uh, we have only a couple minutes left, so we sure. want to find out how people can learn more about Access Rec. Um, yeah, they can go to our website, uh, accessrec.com, and um, they can see a lot of our newest products um, that are coming to the market. We are now revamping that website, and uh, they can reach us at uh, also 973-955-0514 is the office number to reach any of us when when have questions or want quotes prepared. Great. Ladies and gentlemen, Scott Jenkins, sales manager for Access Rec in Clifton, New Jersey. Find them at accessrec.com. Learn about the products. Scott will be happy to help you out for all you local governments out there trying to figure out how to work with these kind of dynamic problems that you have along the shoreline. Access Rec's a good option to consider. And thanks, Scott, for taking time and joining us on the American Shoreline Podcast. Really appreciate learning about the company. Yeah, thank you for having me. Hey, everybody, we're back. This is Tyler, and uh, I'm so thrilled to be sitting down now with uh, Steve Mercer, uh, who is the owner and founder of Coastal Transplants, along with uh, two other guests. Uh, The very uh, special guest here we have is uh, Steve, your daughter, Annie, who... uh, is kind of a, a little bit of a, of a who's who nowadays, BPA. Uh, she helped write the local funding working, uh, working group paper, and uh, this will be presented on Friday. So uh, we can all look forward to that. And also Joe Gahan. Uh, did I get that you right, You got Joe? it right. Perfect. Okay, Joe. Uh, all with Coastal Transplants, and we're going to learn all about this great uh, dune restoration and, and vegetation company. So, Steve, why don't why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about Coastal Transplants? Well, we're going to get into it, man. But uh, what? It's been about a year, really, since That's we right. talked. Yeah, That's last right. time we talked was about Hurricane Florence. So we've had a we've That's had an right. exciting year since then, and we'll get into the boring stuff about yeah. who we are and what we do, but. Uh, We've had a lot of fun over the past year, and want to bring you you guys. Let's, and, uh, let's get up to speed, because okay. where we were last, man, I mean, as I recall, you guys really got hit hard. Yeah, yeah, we got uh, our 
our facilities were pretty much wiped out. Uh, Joe's house uh, was uh, most severely impacted. You know, he was totally out for wow. for what almost a year. Almost Joe? a year. Yeah, yeah, we got back in in September. Yeah. So uh, and uh, at the time, I think uh, Annie was uh, still uh, being a college student at the time. So. <laughs> We've had some massive changes over the past year. Uh, first off, Joe, the great news from Coastal Transplants is uh, Joe and his uh, wife and twin girls are no longer living in a 30 by 8 square, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, domicile in the driveway of a, of, of a gutted and abandoned house, so yeah. to speak. So he's back in and... Uh, living the great life now it's good to be home i bet it feels <laughs> yeah, good to be home man yeah. annie came back got her degree uh looking for uh, a job in her chosen profession but came back in and uh, helped old dad out a little bit uh trying to get him through a, a busy season uh-huh. and then uh, as far as coastal transplants we uh like a phoenix instead of rising from the flames we rose from the flood man yeah. uh, uh new facilities new building new new workshop shed so wow streamlined some of our production uh uh made uh all those changes that you want to make you know you sit there and go wow man if i could have if i could do anything different i wish i'd done this or that and uh Hurricane Florence gave us that opportunity, and then uh, what? Just uh, not long ago, Hurricane Dorian gave us another opportunity to really? do it again. We didn't. We were a little more proactive this time. <laughs> uh, Daddy said he ain't gonna write that check twice, uh-huh. you know. So, yeah. uh, so we uh, we did a, we cut our plastic and rode the storm out like that. Our new work shed rode through in flying colors so the quality construction uh, really paid off and so now we're we're excited about where we are right now we've still got a little work to do to rebuild those greenhouses from dorian but uh very minimal damage this time so all we got to do is really make a few changes once again the old uh country boy in me it's like oh boy i really want to want to clean that up or do a little something different and uh so we're gonna make a few little changes but really it's back to just pulling some plastic and getting back to work that is great news steve uh i remember when we were talking uh after florence uh just the the utter devastation to your farm yeah and uh you know i think I, i think it would help our listeners uh first of all go back and listen to that show uh goodness it was about a year ago uh just google it up uh steve mercer on the american shoreline podcast network it was a great show and you learn about his operation there and uh it was severely impacted um the plastic got ripped off i mean you told the story just the the yeah. story of the storm uh you go into uh, good detail there and it's uh it's definitely worth listening to you get an appreciation for the power of of a big hurricane like that yeah i think if you uh if you go back and listen uh joe and i were on that podcast together that's right and uh i i guarantee you if you want to see and hear the difference of, of of what a year makes in a life of a person go listen to joe and i in that podcast and and just how sort of uh uh, uh overwhelmed we were frustrated we were 
and then listen to us today. <laughs> and I think it's just going to be, there's going to be a lot more smiles and laughter and stuff like that. But, uh, um, you know, the whole thing, you know, that's, that's sort of our story. But when you look at the, you know, the, the, this year, uh, is really, uh, our company, the coast of North Carolina, I'm even going to say South Carolina that I know for a fact, and I know there's been a lot of activity in Texas as well, because we we're, we're active down there too. But, uh, you know, I just look at the whole, uh, coastline, the whole industry, uh, well, God, Tyler, you guys yeah. think about where you were a year ago and, and how busy you are today. And, and, and just that sort of rising from, from one level to another, uh, you know, I think you guys are, you know, the whole coast is, is so, sort of similar in our situation, you know, big smiles compared to where we were last year, you know, no so. doubt. Well, ASBPA, uh, president Tony Pratt, uh, described in his remarks uh, on the opening day, described us as kind of going through a renaissance, uh, just meaning the, the broader coastal community. I mean, there's so much interest and investment and uh, planning and focus going into how we're going to manage our shorelines, the science behind it. And, you know, a lot of what you guys are doing, which is uh, to really use, I mean, revolutionizing, I think is it's fair to say how we vegetate and manage our dune systems, which are, you know, living, uh, I'm not gonna say breathing, although I think it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be far off to say they are, yeah. you know, they, they grow, they shrink, they, and, and they, they provide such, I mean, it's an incredible habitat. Um, and these plants are incredibly, uh, unique to these, you know, various environments. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about is, is how, how are, you know, Obviously, you guys are, are out of the, the flood stage, like you said, the phoenix out of the flood. Uh, what, what projects are you working on these days? And, and Steve, what, do you, what, do you, what interests you in the space? Well, let me turn that over. Joe's the director of sales. Let me turn it over to Joe. Tell him a little bit about Take what it we away, did. Joe. Yeah, we've, we've worked on quite a few projects this year. We started off down in Carolina, Curry Beach, worked with them on their dredge project with Weeks Marina. Um, did everything from the American beach grass straight through to the, the sea oats and fertilized it all summer and got it looking really good. Yeah. Um, went to Emerald Isle, worked with Great, Great Lakes Dredging on that project. Um, and now we're up at Nags Head finishing all, all that up. How many, how, can I just ask, how many plants are we talking about here? Uh, this year will be installed and grown over a million plants, and that includes our residential part of wow. it too, because we work with homeowners as well too. You know, homeowners they've got the dune; that's their protection. A lot of times they're going to want to you know add plants to it, add sand fence to it, get it to where it needs to be to help protect them. So we work with the residential owner as well too, as with the you know the larger projects. You guys have been busy a million plants, and y'all grow all of those from seed, right? either cedar cuttings yeah okay, well. yeah i mean it's all uh we'll let dory talk to a little bit about that uh uh somebody well she summed it up earlier uh you know that's that's 100 percent mercer and 15 percent gahan <laughs> uh so somebody uh really with a last name mercer or gahan one touches almost every one of those plants wow. multiple times but dory i'll let you handle that sure so Right about this time is when we're harvesting and going out on all of these projects where we've gotten contracts 
um, previous years and especially individual homeowners. Seed harvesting. Yep. And also, I guess, clipping harvesting. Yep, and clipping. So um, we've been working really closely with Holden Beach for the past few years. They're our backyard beach, and so we work really well with them. And they've had a lot of um, erosion recently from Florence and uh, Michael and Matthew just yeah, the past few years. Pretty and serious so storm hits there. Yeah, so you know now that we're coming into the... 2019 2020 financial seasons mm-hmm. we're finally seeing some of that money come back and so they're really looking into diversifying the plants so we've taken um harvesting and cuttings and then we bring them back to our you know new shed we're very uh-huh. excited yeah. <laughs> we get to do this inside now uh-huh. <laughs> um, especially because it's going to start getting a little colder now and uh-huh. it's i mean We've got four or five people and you sit there and you just clip all day long and then you put it in the tray and then we grow hydroponically. So those, oh, trays, really? yep, those trays float for um, when we do sea oats, the seeds will germinate for about 10 weeks and then we'll put them in and then we'll har- harvest. Sorry. 10 days. Ten, sorry, 10 days. No, not 10 weeks. <laughs> that would have been aggressive. <laughs> but 10 days and then we'll pull them out and we just keep repeating that process so that'll start in about a month actually for the next year annie i think we just have to know now you're growing up with your dad uh, doing this stuff how long i mean can you remember back to being a little girl and like being in the dunes uh helping him out almost little girl Uh um (laughs) we started in bedding plants so i remember being in the marigolds as a little girl Uh Um, oh really yeah but um we probably started this when I was about 10. So I've got oh. about 17 years of experience doing this. It makes you one of the preeminent uh, experts in the country, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it got she me She reminds me of that every day. <laughs> every day, brother. Yeah, it, it got me through high school. You know, if you didn't get an allowance, you worked for it, uh-huh. you know. And so I think that that's definitely helped my brother and I with our... Um, job skills uh-huh. and communication skills and stuff like that. Well, I'm, I'm going to just, I, I know that this is, uh, you guys, uh, you know, coastal transplants is an institution. Uh, it's fair to say, uh, here in at ASBPA in this community of, of coastal managers with the local governments, you guys work with so many, I mean, so many projects all over the, uh, the mid Atlantic down the southeastern uh, coast, the entire Gulf Coast. Uh, that's a a big stretch of area, many different climates, many different varieties of uh, plants, uh, different strains, if you will. Um, and you know, it just requires a a, a real uh, soft touch to understand how to make that work in certain um, in certain environments. But I'm also going to say. Annie, that uh, uh, this is a little advertisement for you, too. <laughs> if there are any companies out there, I don't want to pull her away from you, but if there's any anybody out there looking for a real sharp uh, thinker, analyst, someone who can write, put thoughts uh, together, professional, prompt, she just put together the uh, local funding uh, white paper for ASBPA. This was a a, over a year-long project that just didn't seem to get done, and they put Annie on it, and damn it, that thing got done. <laughs> so uh, for all those uh, companies out there that are looking to uh, recruit some some really talented uh, young people, give Annie Mercer a call, all right? And we'll, we'll when we wrap this up, we'll... Uh, 
well, you can give them give out your email address, and we'll uh, we'll let people reach out to you. But let's talk a little bit more about uh, the work that you guys have coming up. I understand that we're we're in the harvest season now. Uh, so, how many plants do you have to propagate and create here for this coming the coming season? We are currently uh, anticipating uh, a need for about two to two point one million plants. And wow, that double. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is not. Uh, we we've we've just learned uh, here uh, where everybody needs to be to to further your industry here. We just learned here that we may be short on that, so we're wow. we're, we're looking at maybe that number going up. Uh, and uh, that number only represents North Carolina and some of South Carolina, so right. that's not every industry that we supply for. Right, wow. that, that's not every state. Yeah, so we're we're that's our goal. We're you know we're we're looking at um, we're looking at putting up three times the greenhouse space we have right now so it's going to be this winter is going to be uh um you know thankfully we took preactive measures and uh i'm not having to rebuild the existing structures uh because we're going to really put a lot of focus on expanding this year and and we're 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 really trying to put a state-of-the-art uh facility together uh really a showpiece we're gonna we're focusing on our frontal dune plants huh. uh, we're one of the few people that do that and uh, not that we're the only person that does that but you know we're we're focused on that and we want to we want a facility that not only uh people can come into and understand what it takes for this industry to produce what is required and the time periods and things like that but we're also looking at through this expansion we're going to have a little bit of extra space that hopefully hopefully uh the academic community can start seeing the value in in the vegetative side of things and the need for more academics in that area and we'll have some space if they need to run some experiments or do their research there will be a dedicated facility to that yeah and, and we're wow. hoping to give back to the community that way uh we are um we've tried hard to be an industry leader uh over the years and i know uh i, I don't want that to come out the wrong way but we we've really tried hard to advance the industry to break new ground and to let people know that we're very serious about it and you you know you talked about building those relationships i i look at where we are today compared to 15 years ago and i'm like i don't know how in the world i got here i'm just an old country boy you know (laughs) Uh, I, i i'm in a room with with engineers and geologists and biologists and academic people that are 10 times smarter than i am and i can't even speak the same language but the reality is is everything they design everything they talk about yeah everything they put together i've got to put it in place i got to make it happen yeah you know and and the the wonderful part of this is 
I've never felt like anybody has ever uh, looked at that as saying, well, I'm 10 times smarter than that guy. They're all just the most wonderful people in the world. I go to municipalities, uh, homeowners, all these guys. It's just a wonderful community. I mean, you, you really got good people doing good things. And yeah. so we've been just really lucky. And I think I think that's that's where, you know, this industry has just grown more, you know, time and time again. It's just because it's just great people uh, all, yeah. all up and down the chain. Everybody's uh, – you can just find some wonderful people to work with. Couldn't uh, couldn't agree with that more, Steve. And uh, you know the other thing that strikes me. Uh, by the way, incredibly modest, uh, Steve Mercer here, uh, uh, really brilliant at what he does, and the whole Coastal Transplant team. Um, one of the things that that comes to mind, though, is that there is a a personal. Uh, connection a touch a uh, there's an advantage to of course having the science and the white papers and the theory but there's something else to be said for actually having someone that's been in dunes and observed the plants and uh, as you put it is a, a country boy because um you have a, a, a an intuition and a skill with the uh, nature that um, can't really, it's not book smarts necessarily, um, though I, I'm sure that you're uh, a learned man as well, but there's something to be said for that kind of real world experience. And you bring that to the table and you apply that in the real world on these projects and it makes, like you said, it makes them work. I've always said to Steve, he's the quote unquote Tim Taylor of Dunes because he can look at a project, see the equipment we have and say, you know, if we change this or this, it's going to help that dune. And then we go to the next one. He looks at it and goes, you know what? If we switch it back to this or this. So it's always evolving to do the right thing for the environment we're working in. And, and isn't that cool? That I mean, I, I personally find this to be uh, really valuable uh, just across the coastal space to have a uh, that kind of, um, I guess I'm just going to say intuition for it. You look at it and you can just see it uh it comes i think that comes from experience i think that comes from being personally connected with nature man man well i can tell you one thing it comes from you you lose a little money on that first time and, uh, <laughs> and you learn a lot of lessons for the future you know you got you got two hungry kids to feed yeah. you get out there and go well i ain't making that mistake twice you know especially after you worked them all day <laughs> yeah i have to look at them and go well that didn't work you know oh but, uh, man nah i mean this just we've we've just had a we've had a good year I, I i can't tell you how happy i am right now and you know there's been challenges we've we've had some you really you we, we, good Lord. We, we 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 bit off a big apple this year yeah. you know but uh to have you know to have your daughter come back and and bring as you said bring that next level yeah. of of yeah. of intelligence of dedication of of the desire to make things happen that energy that she brought in this year helped a lot joe uh just salesman extraordinaire he's he's my he's the guy that's just having to you know i don't know i think in his mind he has to clean up the mess in my mind he's he's sitting there uh, as a, a quintessential problem solver when when we're in the field and and 
and weather or time or things, you know, equipment, those kinds of labor, those kind of things are happening. He's working with the customers and just making making everything come together very smoothly, keeping everybody up to date on where we are and what we're doing. And, uh, you know, it's just a great team. We've just put together a wonderful team. His Joe's daughter is working with us for what seven years now she i mean wow from high school i love that it's a family business too i think that's very cool yeah and she tells me all the time she's been in the business longer than i have so i have to listen to her (laughs) yeah yeah that's tough you know know, listen i i face my you you know you were talking about how how uh dory uh makes things happen buddy when she came in this year daddy daddy couldn't be taking those naps after lunch anymore you know we had to, yeah again, right? I had to and joe's got a daughter that does the same thing uh my dad at 88 is still very active in the in the greenhouse my sister barbara who's you know a few years older than me she's active in the greenhouse uh without the two of them that's you know um, my granddaddy used to tell me you can't sell from an empty cart and uh-huh. they're keeping those greenhouses full and they had their challenges this year i mean you could not have two days between the time the germination chamber emptied to the time it had to be full again you couldn't you know you couldn't lollygag around a week you know, we had to turn it turn it turn it saturdays and sundays we were working this year and and as we just talked about uh there's no rest for the wicked next year buddy everybody (laughs) everybody's gonna be running well Well, i'm I'm just so happy for you guys uh pulling yourself out of that uh situation after florence uh i'll never forget that story when you uh harvested a couple chickens oh yeah yeah (laughs) that was that's a great story everybody's got to go back and listen to uh that florence pod with steve mercer ladies and gentlemen steve mercer joe gahan did i get it right very good and the impeccable annie mercer uh Steve, how do people learn more about Coastal Transplants? Uh, the easiest thing to do is go to the website. You're going to get put in touch with Joe. Joe's a great storyteller. He can tell our story. Uh, he can, you know, for somebody that's, we call him a newbie, but uh, what, five years now? Yep. Yeah, five years. Not much of a newbie anymore, yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> man, he, he can really, he can walk a dune. Uh, he and I have put enough road time in. He can walk a dune and really feel it. So... That's I think that's our claim to fame is we we really do have a personal connection with that that dune whether it's a homeowner sounds like we're getting a sales call right now yeah, business yeah, is coming I mean, in I think I don't like I, you, I like the this sound podcast of, works <laughs> that's the sound of money right there man so is it coastaltransplants.com coastaltransplants.com hit us up and we'll we'll get back to you all right and Annie uh, if if we have any uh, consulting firms or people out there looking for a, a just a great young professional to bring to their firm how can they reach you uh my grad school email adm69229 at marymount.edu edu yep very good so ladies and gentlemen uh the wonderful team at coastal transplants and uh for peter and myself i'm going to sign off this was a lot of fun meeting uh some of the great vendors and uh, exhibitors here at ASBPA 2019 uh, signing off.